African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. been a disappointing meeting. A very good morning and welcome to yet another interactive installment of African Dialogue. You tuned into Channel Africa from an African perspective. It's 11.01 Central African time on this uh, 24th of January, this Wednesday. My name is Asanda Matsaunyane. So we're currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Also on uh, internet live streaming as uh, well as DSTV Audio Bouquet uh, Channel 802. So today on the program, uh, the appointment of a new ESCOM board has been widely viewed as a step into the right direction for South Africa. This week, we have seen resignations of top executives at ESCOM as the parliamentary inquiry into alleged corruption at the power utility resumed. On the show today, we discuss the future of ESCOM and whether we are likely to see a turnaround. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. It's eight minutes uh, past 11. It's Central African time. That's our time here on African Dialogue. If you've just joined us, well, welcome to our show here on Channel Africa from an African perspective. I'm Asanda Mazaunyane. Just thank you to our team, producer Ayanda Mkwanazi and Tumelo Zulu, executive producer Brett Wilkinson, uh, technical producer Catherine Malek. I'm not alone here, so we're all a team. Now, the business of the day. As the new board steps into the troubled power utility, it has been given a clear directive which is to clean up the rot. ESCOM spokesperson Kulu Pasiwe has been quoted in the media reports as saying ESCOM and Treasury would be approaching financial institutions to secure 20 billion rand for the state-owned enterprise. Meanwhile, Finance Minister Malusi Gigaba has said that National Treasury cannot afford to bail it out. So before we get into the discussion here on African Dialogue, let's listen to this audio clip of how the parliamentary inquiry into allegations of corruption in ESCOM kicked off yesterday by uh, SABC journalist Mercedes Besant, this report is. 
Just the day after tendering his resignation to ESCOM, Anoch Singh had another grueling day in Parliament. Taking an oath, Singh promised to tell the truth. Thank you, Madam Chair. I swear that the evidence I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And after Singh made his presentation during the inquiry, it was the turn of evidence leader Ntutu Zelo Vanara to get the truth from Singh. One of the questions related to a trip to Dubai, which Singh says was not paid for by the Guptas. Oh, were you sometime in December of 2015 in Dubai and accommodated Oberhai Hotel? Yes, I was, sir. Who paid uh, for the trip and the accommodation, all the expenses related to that travel? Um, Mr. Uh, Advocate Varana, it was not uh, the Gupta family. Uh, it was actually a um, acquaintance of mine from the UAE, uh, Mr. Al Belushi. Why would you say it was not the Gupta people? I mean, anybody could have paid for the trip. But why are you specific in saying it was not the Guptas? <laughs> because it's widely rumored that uh, the Gupta family paid for for the trip. But Vanara presented a so-called invoice that reveals that Gupta linked Sahara computers allegedly arranged Singh's trip to Dubai. He said the source of the invoice is from the so-called Gupta leaks. This is how Vanara questioned him. To whom is that invoice? It does bear your name, but if you look down there, it is addressed to? Referring to company, then it's Sahara Computer, sir. Now, why would that uh, invoice be directed to Sahara Computers and not to your common acquaintance? Sir, I'm, I'm not aware. I don't know. Um, as you can see, the, the billing says direct billing. Um, so that's all I was aware of. So that you must then not be telling the committee the truth. Anoj Singh also had to answer questions about his role in the approval of a prepayment of about 600 million to another Gupta-linked company, Tegeta. The company was granted the prepayment to buy coal, but it was revealed during the inquiry last year that some of the money was allegedly used to buy the ailing Optimum coal mine from Glencoe, which had already put its mine on business rescue in 2015 after it could not secure further contracts with ESCOM. At the time, Glencoe was slapped with a fine of more than 2 billion rands. Vanara questioned seeing why Tegeta did not pay the fine. Okay, so you just heard there uh, by SABC journalist Mercedes Besant uh, that uh, report, or clip rather, of uh, the parliamentary inquiry into allegations of corruption into ESCOM, which is our topic today here on African Dialogue. Uh, remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 Central African Time, 1100 hours that is. At Channel Africa is our uh, Twitter handle. You can find us on Facebook as well. If you want to email, do so, info at channelafrica.org. And if you're listening from us or to us from America, you can call us on uh, 604 sorry let me start over 605 475 1711 at no extra costs I'm Asanda Matzaunyane so joining me to discuss this further is Dr. Peter Karungu who's in studio Uh, Dr. Peter Karungu is an academic at Wits University and economic consultant welcome doctor thank you very much 
Also telephonically is Professor Keith Gosschalk, who is a retired lecturer from the University of the Western Cape's Political Sciences Department. Welcome, Professor. Good morning. Martin Kingston also joins us telephonically, who is Deputy President of Business Unity South Africa. Welcome, Martin. Morning, Sandra. So, thank you to all of you for making time. And let me start with you, Professor Gottschalk. We can already hear from that sound clip that the committee was frustrated by Anoj Singh, uh, who was the Chief Financial Officer at ESCOM. Today, we're expecting to hear from the Power Utilities Head of Generations, uh, Machela Koko. Are we likely to get the same kind of reluctance to take responsibility? Judging by months of newspaper headlines, of horror stories concerning ESCOM, it could well be more of the same dodging and prevarication. ESCOM has been excellently run for most of its 97 years, and we're all hoping that new or new CE will get it back on its feet up and running again. The suspended Chief Financial Officer Anoj Singh, uh, as we're saying, they resigned on the eve of his testimony. Then last night, another executive who was a suspended uh, Prish governor resigned. What can we read into these resignations? And are there likely to be be more, uh, Professor? I think there's been a clean sweep of the board. And Jabu Mabuza and Patana Khadebe, the top talent from... Black Business Council and Business Leadership of South Africa with an excellent track record in corporate turnarounds. Mm-hmm. So we can expect the mm-hmm. best from the new appointees. Martin, the announcement, I mean, we know currently there's the World Economic Forum taking place in Davos, uh, Switzerland. So the announcement of the new board, I mean, I don't know if one can say it's convenient that it comes at this time, but can we read into this as being some sort of a strategy uh, in, the, in the part of the uh, Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa, whether what kind of strategy that is, we can unpack it as we go along? Definitely. we had identified. Yes, Martin? Asanda, um, we had identified... Uh, for, for a long time as a country that needs to overhaul the boards of all state-owned enterprises and ESCOM in particular given its critical role in the economy. Uh, and there's no doubt that this was not a moment too soon. In fact, it should have happened beforehand. Uh, and it is the first step uh, in a number of steps that need to be taken to address not only the issues of uh, uh, corruption uh, within the organization, but also to put it on a path to financial solvency, stability, and hopefully commercial viability in the future uh, and bringing in a board with the requisite skills, capabilities and independence to oversee that process uh, is an absolutely crucial part of that process. Not the only part, but but a crucial part. So uh, we as business uh, commend uh, both the Deputy President and the Minister of Finance for having the courage and the resolve to do so as quickly and as comprehensively as they've done. But it's only, as I said, the first step in a very complex process in a highly charged situation where we are actually as a country uh, facing a crisis because of the current circumstances uh, that occur around ESCOM. Can we read into this as purely a economic strategy or could it be a political one as well, uh, Martin? Well, there's no doubt that it's not just an economic strategy. There's a commitment on the part of uh, the ANC and indeed the government that the boards of state and enterprises must be overhauled 
uh, fit for purpose management must be put in place and people with the requisite experience, integrity, competence and capability be installed. I think that that is not simply an economic uh, imperative. I think it's a political imperative. The scourge of corruption uh, has, I think, brought shame upon uh, all of us in South Africa, not just with respect to public sector institutions, but private sector institutions, and we need to move very quickly to restore confidence. And the most important way of doing that is demonstrating uh, that malfeasance will not be tolerated and that people of integrity and uh, competence and experience must occupy both executive and non-executive positions in all of these institutions. On the argument of this uh, Dr. Karungu being an economic strategy, that announcement of the new board uh, in the part of Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa, how would it serve then if it was an economic strategy to allay the fears, so to speak, of investors on, on South Africa? Thank you very much, Asanda. If you allow me, let me give you a, a, a bit of a background. Yes, let's do that. ESCOM generates 95% of power into South Africa. Approximately 45% of power generated in the whole of African continent. ESCOM has 47,658 full-time employees. Not the others who benefit from the side. ESCOM revenue is in excess of 13 billion US dollars. It's about 177 billion rands last year. ESCOM in fair play <laughs> had profit fell in a year's time by more than 80%. At ESCOM in the last seven years up to 2016 has had over 300% in eight years tariff increase across the, con- across the board of the consumers. In economics then we need to ask the question who is this ESCOM? ESCOM is literally the backbone of South African economy in many ways. Mm. We can afford not to put that into perspective so that people are clearly aware of what we are dealing with here. Now, I want to say that if the strategy is to work, we have to be concerned, A, in the short term, medium and long term. In the short term, our president of ANC, deputy president, and the new team are mandated to raise capital to run this for a year. And from yesterday we heard it is either in the short term 10 billion going almost to 30 billion in the next 18 months. By then I believe it will turn around. So what is this 20 billion uh, figure then that we, we're being told? Is that... Is the short term. Short term. Okay, look, investors are scared. They want to pull out. They want to call their loan. I didn't say something. ESCOM has a liability or is exposed in excess of 350 billion. So if the investors or the people who lend the money were to recall the money, we are in trouble. So we need to finance these monies and we need to make sure that they don't make a call. And that's why the deputy president, the president of the ANC and the team are all over trying to make sure that we create an environment of assurity, assuring them mm. we are able to come with a strategy that will guarantee your payment, that will make sure that the, the corruption in the true meaning of the word is mitigated. So indeed we are saying 
we can't afford to wait too long and we can't afford to think of job creation without correcting the mess with ESCOM. We're going to talk about the long term a, a little bit. I, I just want to come back to in terms of looking at the, the board members. And I want to, uh, you know, look at if we know, you know, what we know about some of these board members and their abilities to lead and manage, you know, such a big company as, as ESCOM. Let's look at the chairperson, for instance, Jabu Mabuza, who is also president of Business Unity South Africa and chair of Business Leadership South Africa. What are his abilities? Let me ask you, Professor, because I don't think it's it's fair to give Martin this question. Maybe uh, let's start with you, Professor. Uh, uh, Jabu Mabuza? Professor? Hello. Yeah, l- let's look at some of the board members. Let's look at Jabu Mambuza as president of Business Unity South Africa. What are his abilities and how are his abilities viewed then to lead and manage ESCOM? Uh, Business Day newspaper gave a rave review listing the track record of excellence of Jabu and Pakama and uh, the, the others there. And it was quite impressive. They collectively have <clears throat> turned Telcom around. They've uh, got uh, really excellent corporate managerial experience. So that's just what ESCOM needs right now. Pakamani Hadebe, uh, doctor, how can we read into that uh, the suggestion that he be appointed as ESCOM's acting group chief executive? His his abilities. I think. Well, I don't know him personally, or do I know much of what he does. We have read that from Business Day. He's a very strategic thinker. He has literally non-tinted professional career, and that's what we need. And I think he's a, he's a group people's person, because what we need now is a CEO who is committed to the Constitution, con- committed to PFME, and committed to be able to understand that his responsibility or whatever are the weight on his shoulders is literally on behalf of all South Africans. And more than that, it is the gear that we need to revelage the economy going forward. Mm. That finally, of course, he will have to be supported by the board in putting together a management team because nobody can make ESCOM work as a loner or as an individual, it will be a collective. It's a 23 minutes past 11 Central African time. We're going to take a short break and continue our chat talking ESCOM and uh, the parliamentary inquiry into allegations of corruption there. My name is Asanda Matzawinyane. This is African Dialogue. Stay with us. This is Channel Africa. South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. I'm an actress, I'm a motivational speaker, born with albinism. Um, The nurse first asked my mother, 
Is your husband white? My mother said, no, why are you asking me that question? When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happening now. Hi, I'm Pulem Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times. Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time. And from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebazi, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Welcome back to African Dialogue, speaking about uh, the parliamentary inquiry into allegations of corruption into ESCOM and just the power utility in general. Speaking to Dr. Peter Karungu, academic at Wits University and economic consultant, also Professor Keith Gottschalk, a retired lecturer from the University of the Western Cape's Political Sciences Department, and Martin Kingston, Deputy President, Business Unity South Africa. I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Uh, if you've just joined us, well, do interact with us as well. Twitter, Facebook, and our emails and, and SMS lines. Let me come to you, uh, Martin, now. The, the Minister of Finance in South Africa, Malusi Kikaba, did warn or has warned that if the ESCOM situation is not addressed, it could collapse the economy, which ties into what Dr. Karungu was speaking about, ESCOM being literally the backbone of South Africa's economy, if not the entire continent. So him making this statement, is this, you know, case for his attendance at the World Economic Forum being very important then, would you say, that he has this understanding? There's no doubt in my mind that the Minister of Finance has an absolutely crystal clear understanding of the ramifications of ESCOM's current circumstances, and he is absolutely correct that we cannot, under any circumstances, afford for ESCOM to default on its obligations uh, or to be put in a position where it's actually technically insolvent and cannot raise capital uh, from the markets. And the first step, and we know that this was insisted upon by providers of capital, was that an appropriate board was put in place uh, and that a suitable executive management team is installed and obviously the appointment of the board and Pakamani Habebe coming in as the acting chief executive is the first step. By the same token, and uh, Peter is absolutely uh, spot on here, uh, if we fail to address immediately the financial circumstances pertaining to ESCOM, the economic uh, viability not only of ESCOM uh, but health of South Africa is at risk. Uh, there is no doubt that we would be immediately downgraded further by the rating agencies. Moody's is the only rating agency left not to downgrade our domestic debt to junk status. But I should advise you and your listeners there are many levels uh, down in respect of junk status. We cannot afford to go down that route. And therefore, the Minister of Finance and many of his ministerial colleagues and Deputy President have at the top of their agenda the need to reassure international investors uh, that remedial steps are being taken as a matter of urgency uh, to um, deal with this issue. And you probably know that mm. Jabba Mabuza, in fact, who was supposed to be at Davos, uh, turned around and came back to South Africa so that he could 
take control of the situation as chairman of the board, convene the first board meeting uh, in order that as a matter of uh, extreme critical urgency, they could put in place measures where they can uh, deal with the short-term bleeding uh, and raise the 20 billion that you've referred to uh, in order that they can, in the immediate short term, ensure that we have a sustainable uh, and viable ESCOM. It doesn't deal, I should add, uh, with the uh, medium or longer term issues, which are every bit as urgent and critical, uh, but will require a much more fundamental reorganization of the institution than simply putting in a new board. What are the chances then that we wouldn't be downgraded, Martin, looking at the backdrop of, you know, last year, November, that uh, ESCOM was downgraded uh, by Moody's as well as uh, Standard & Poor's? If we look at that into context and now, I mean, what are the chances that that wouldn't happen again? What is the atmosphere? Oh, I think that ESCOM's rating is now of no consequence. I think it is the sovereign downgrading that we are worried about. and There are two real triggers to that now. One is whether or not we're able to demonstrate to the markets that ESCOM can meet its obligations, that it can service its debt, it's been able to reassure us thus far that it can, and can raise capital for the immediate short term. The second is the Minister of Finance's budget speech at the end of next month in February, where he's going to have to demonstrate uh, that we have an ability to uh, reduce uh, spending as a country uh, without increasing any borrowings and find the necessary wherewithal to pay for the commitments that we've made, including, for example, uh, free education. And we know that uh, he does not have the luxury or the wherewithal to be able to provide uh, support to the likes of ESCOM uh, and has said so very publicly. So the rating agencies and the markets more generally are watching every single one of these steps, like Hawks, uh, to see whether or not they can be given the reassurance They don't want to downgrade us, by the way. The reassurance uh, that we have a prudent and conservative approach to dealing with state-owned enterprises in general and the fiscus uh, more more broadly, uh, and therefore that we will, as a country and ESCOM as an institution, have the ability to be able to raise capital and service our obligations on time and in an efficient manner. Uh, Dr. Karungu, I mean, the the World or Business Day, one of the publications in South Africa that is uh, uh, reported that there's a possibility that the World Bank could issue a default letter for its about uh, 45 billion uh, rand loan to the power utility ESCOM. So the World Bank certainly has concerns. But what about the other financial institutions like the African Development Bank and the Development Bank of Southern Africa? Could they share the same concerns? What what could we expect that they would be saying? If you recall a year ago, the development bank forced ESCOM to come up with interim financials. They were threatened that they withdraw their 15 billion loan. That's an African, South African entity telling another entity, the game is over. It's either you do the right thing or we also put you into a dilemma that the impact or the ripple effect in the country is drastic to mention. In other words, when the minister says for ESCOM to be found failing or for the World Bank to recall, he can't sleep. We understand what he's saying as economist. Mm. So I think the World Bank will be able to understand that the World Bank interest is to develop the, the, the countries, has no interest of creating profits. By the time they reach a point of threatening, is a question of asking 
will you stop bleeding your own country and correct the mistake uh, given now we have seen and I can understand that they are aware of the changes in the board, they are aware of the changes of the resignation mm. of the people who are bleeding. And I don't think they meant it to, to do the level they did. Mm. In my view, they, you, you took not understanding the impact of the ripple effect. So I'm sure the World Bank will be patient enough to be able to say, listen, we are partners in development. They can't, I believe, be the ones to be seen, the first one to say, Let's put this country into a negative growth path because th technically that's what would happen. Mm. So I, I, I'm almost certain. Development Bank of South Africa is also in the same league. It's a development institution. We mm. call them development, commercial development institution. They are slightly commercial to sustain the interest that they get paid. But definitely their, their primary objective is to make sure that the country develops. So with the right changes, with the right team, with the right commitment, with the debate you and I are having, mm. informing people that we need to be aware. A, corruption bleeds to your house. Don't tell they did. If you don't talk about it, then you are part of it. Mm. We've got to start nipping this corruption from our homes. And therefore, it goes around. And I, I repeat, the media, particularly across the board, they've done wonderful work to hold us accountable even though sometimes the government <laughs> takes long to respond so mm. in summary i'm saying i think there will be some patience i think it was mandatory that they have to put a new board they have to put a new team they have to solve this shenanigan and they have to get some money back from institutions like mckenzie trillion and therefore there is positive and we have to look forward yeah uh, Professor Goschalk, what, what do you say to that, to the ordinary South African who, you know, maybe does not necessarily follow what's happening in terms of economics or doesn't even understand the jargon, and maybe the, all they worried about when you say ESCOM is just load shedding. But here, you know, uh, Dr. Karung is also alluding to the fact that corruption bleeds into your house, and as ordinary South Africans, we must be aware and have these conversations. But to the ordinary South African, should they be taking matters into their hands or just still leaning towards their leadership at this point when it comes to the issue of ESCOM? The ordinary South Africans have had month after month of front-page newspaper headlines of how the ESCOM board was infiltrated and subverted to become a corporate feeding trough for the Gupta family. And it's overdue that Ramaphosa has taken the lead in turning ESCOM around. It's important for all of us to be active citizens and to push back against corruption, whether it's a letter to the editor, it's an email to an MP, or it's taking part in street protests, so that we continuously confront corruption and uh, frighten off those who wish to do illegal things. And we can hope now that some have started the road to recovery. All right, let's take another short break and we'll be right back. It's 11.36 Central African time here on African Dialogue. We continue our chat on the parliamentary inquiry into allegations of corruption in ESCOM. That's the power utility here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Matzaunyane. Stay with us. Channel Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app 
at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Attention to our listeners. From the 30th of October 2017, the first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. The 1700-hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Please note that this only applies to the 1700-hours Central African Time show. The 1900-hour Central African Time program will be back on all the platforms. Channel Africa, giving you an African perspective. Okay, welcome back to our chat here on African Dialogue Talking ESCOM. Uh, Martin, let's talk about now Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa at the World Economic Forum meeting with the World Bank uh, in Davos. If you were his advisor, what would you have said, you know, in terms of the major pointers that he needed to say and to plead maybe with the World Bank or try and paint South Africa in a better, you know, light, uh, given the backdrop of what's happening in ESCOM? Well, the World Bank has a very significant exposure to ESCOM, as you said, some 45 uh, billion rand, uh, and have been following uh, ESCOM's progress with uh, very keen interest and, I, and, and of course, concern uh, over the last uh, several years and more recently. There's no doubt that uh, Deputy President Ramaphosa uh, will be providing them with a route map uh, as to the manner in which he, as the uh, President of the ANC, uh, intends to address uh, many of the challenges that currently confront ESCOM, more broadly the South African economy. You can't uh, differentiate between ESCOM and the economy. They are interdependent. Uh, and those go to the heart of the issues that uh, you've been discussing today uh, with Keith, Peter, and myself, including uh, restoring uh, a culture of integrity, uh, transparency, and good governance to combat corruption and malfeasance, uh, ensuring that there is a proper role and a defined role that ESCOM has to play within the South African and more broadly the regional and continental economy uh, and that there is a, uh, an approach that's going to be adopted uh, to establish a robust uh, balance sheet and financial structure uh, for ESCOM predicated upon a strategy that is consistent with a broader energy strategy in South Africa for the longer term. And on that point I should add that as a country we have been delinquent thus far in reaching agreement upon an integrated energy plan, an integrated resource plan for the country. Business and other social partners have made it very clear to government that we need to have a fully integrated approach to all sources of energy, uh, that it needs to be competitive, uh, that it needs to be reliable and consistent, uh, that the basis on which it is produced can be transparently assessed, and that it needs to be overseen with good governance structures. Now, all of that will undoubtedly be part and parcel uh, of the messages that uh, Mr. Ramaphosa is delivering, not only to the World Bank, but other major capital providers and potential and current investors in South Africa if he's going to give them uh, the reassurance that they need to hold back from moving forward to accelerate 
uh, if you like, the repayment of their debt, or alternatively, to advance further capital uh, into the country. And I have no doubt, based upon the many interactions that we as business have had both with the Deputy President and with uh, the economic ministers who are with him in Davos at the moment, uh, that they will properly articulate and commit to the type of actions that I've referred to. So then the role of business in this, in putting pressure on ESCOM and then making sure that they follow through, what is it, would you say? We have, we have a number of uh, touch points, uh, both directly with ESCOM and more broadly. We're obviously the largest single consumer of the power it uh, produces. Uh, business Unity South Africa works very closely with the Energy Intensive Users Group. It accounts for about 40%, the EIUG, of all of uh, ESCOM's uh, production. Uh, we sit as the representatives of, uh, of business in NEDLAC uh, with the other social partners, community organized labor, and government itself uh, to monitor these issues. There's a special task team that has been set up under the auspices of the Deputy President mm-hmm. uh, on which I sit to look at the ramifications of a ratings downgrade and ESCOM's role uh, within that context. Okay. And then BUSA specifically uh, engages directly with ESCOM at the level of the Chief Executive to go through the very self-same issues that you've been discussing on the show this morning. Professor Gottschalk, uh, Martin mentioned, you know, the announcement of the new board being the first step and then went on to, uh, you know, giving examples of what other steps could be in terms of restoring confidence and restoring good governance and establishing robust financial structure for ESCOM. What are the other steps that you would like to add on, maybe agree with, uh, Martin? I think another step, would be to avoid the very expensive nuclear option for generating more electricity when imported gas and imported hydropower are less expensive options. Mm. South Africa signed a treaty, the Kabila Zuma Treaty, in 2013 to build the industry hydropower station on the Congo River and import that electricity. So we're looking forward to that being implemented. Uh, Dr. Karungu, other steps that ESCOM can uh, implement in turning things around? I think first and foremost is to put the right people in the right places. Mm. I watched last night when we came to learn that top scientists were fired for questioning the quality of coal. Mm. In my mind I said, God, if they could fire people for doing the right thing, how many people have been there to do what they ought to do to facilitate the cabal we have witnessed? That's number one. The second thing ESCOM needs to do is not to get involved in trying to create a 40, 50-year long-term vision if they cannot control, manage already what we have. I keep hearing about nuclear energy. I think... People say that mix is okay. They talk about harnessing wind energy. That's what everybody's going on. But the truth is, first, and this is where most countries fail, we fail because we assume skills are corrected as you wish them. Mm. Political game defines technology. Political game defines professionalism. Political game defines skills in engineering. Mm. We have to stop that. I'm very impressed to say that twice or the three times I've met the president of the ANC, he asked me, Peter, tell me which book should I read to understand why there can be economic 
growth but no economic development that's a chapter in, those are books to write mm. i said go read this book go read this book we meet again he has economic questions first you owe me this and i repeat to you we need to awaken economic thinking across this country Mm. Economic is a reality you deal with every single minute. Let's leave it on that note because we are out of time, unfortunately. But thank you to all of you. Uh, Dr. Peter Karungo in studio, an academic at Vets University and economic consultant. Professor Keith Gottschalk, uh, retired lecturer from the University of Western Cape's Political Sciences Department. And from Business Unity South Africa, the deputy president there, Martin Kingston. Thank you to all of you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. That's uh, where we're going to wrap up our chat uh, for now. It's So that's our uh, installment of African Dialogue on this Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, do tune in again to Channel Africa to catch another one that will be tomorrow with me, Asanda Mazaunyane. Remember, we come to you Mondays to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time and we in- involve uh, you in the show as well. We welcome your views and suggestions. You can do them or send them via uh, Twitter at Channel Africa. You can find us on Facebook as well or SMS plus 2782. To three three two five nine zero five. Our email address info at channelafrica.co.za. We play you out with some tunes now, uh, but do stay with Channel Africa. Goodbye for now from us.